Give me the stink eye, Randy. No? Yeah, I can use it. That's no problem. <clears throat> if not, I can yell pretty loud. Um, anyway, good morning. Thank you all for coming. Um, you know, I have been asked to preach the, I'm going to call it the last sermon of the year, a couple times. And it's one I enjoy. I do enjoy it, but also I kind of loathe it because, you know, I got to kind of set the tone for the end of the year, and I don't really like that, but whatever. Um, anyway, I said this the last time I did one. Congratulations, everyone. You've made it through the 2023 holiday season. It's always a rush, and it's hectic and crazy, but it's still wonderful and a joyful time, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad we've all made it through it. I'm glad everyone's here. But anyway, here we are. We're at the end of 2023, the last day to be exactly. And, um, you know, I was praying and searching and asking God what I needed to talk about today. I had no clue. I had no clue until last night, to be honest with you. And then last night I didn't have a clue until about 11 o'clock. And, you know, <clears throat> finally he, he, he spoke to my heart and he was like, he told me, is there anything that you need to leave behind this year? And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, you know, there are. There, there are a few things that I personally need to leave behind this year. And, you know, we talked a little bit about it in Sunday school about New Year's resolutions, and I don't like them. I think they're an opportunity for me to fail at another task, but some people do like them. And thankfully, we have this opportunity as a new year comes to set new goals, to try to start new habits, you know, begin traditions with our family, whatever it may be. And that's pretty much where I want to be today. I want to talk about, is there anything that we need to leave behind as we go into this, this new year? So before I get going, I want to pray and just ask God that he takes over. Father, we come to you today, Lord, and again, I thank you. I thank you so much for everyone that is here today. I thank you for those that are tuning in through Facebook. Lord, and I pray that you just speak through me, that you shut me out, you hide me behind you, Lord, and just... Just use me. Let everything that I say be nothing of holts, but all from you, Lord. I pray that you do bless us today, Lord, so that we can in turn take what we hear today and bless others, God. I love you. I thank you and I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <clears throat> while I was thinking about is there anything that we need to leave behind, I had three things come to mind. That's what I want to talk about today. So the first one I wanted to talk about was possessions. And if you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Mark chapter 10. Verses 17 through 27 is where I'll be. <clears throat> so Mark 10, verses 17 through 22, I'll read those real quick. And it says, And as he was setting out on his journey, this is Jesus, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, 
honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, and he had great position, for he had great possessions. I think we all know this story. We've all at least heard it. We all know it by the, uh, the rich young ruler. Um, you know, this rich young ruler, whenever I read this, I, I try to put myself in this, um, this young man's place. However, I'm not a rich young ruler. I'm not anywhere near rich, so I'm, it's kind of tough. But <clears throat> he came to Jesus seeking eternal life. You know, he, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? His intentions were pure. They seemed pure. Only he finds out that he's not ready to leave behind what would hinder his relationship with Jesus. So, again, let's, let's look at how he came up to Jesus in verse 17. Verse 17 says that he ran up and knelt before him. He had the right idea of who he was talking to. He knew, you know, he called him the good teacher. He knew who this was. He knew this wasn't just a youth pastor from South Alabama. He knew exactly who this was. He said, this is Jesus. This is a good teacher. And Jesus answered him, why do you call me good? Don't you know that God and God alone is good? You know, I believe that this, this young man was acknowledging, I, I know who you are, but I want to know how to have an, an eternal life. Now, <clears throat> he came humbly. He presented himself in, in a humble manner. He, he knelt down. He showed submission to Jesus. And like I said, I truly believe that his intentions were all good. He just wasn't ready for the answer that he, he had coming. Now notice that Jesus named off six of the Ten Commandments. And the young man, without hesitation, all these I've kept from my youth. Yeah, I, I've got that. Those are, those are great. Those are easy. I've been doing that. I hadn't murdered, hadn't committed adultery. He's like, all those are completely fine. You know, he thought he had it all handled. He thought he was living life how he had, was supposed to live it. He had kept the commandments and was living right. But see, the problem is, it's not the problem, but the thing is, is that Jesus knew this young man. Jesus knew exactly what his problem was. So he tells him, he says <clears throat> in verse 21, you lack one thing, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. You know, this was not a command of Jesus to turn this young man poor himself, if that makes sense. He's not trying to tell this, this guy to go and sell everything so that you have to live in poverty. What he's doing is he's acknowledged that this young man has such a love for his own riches that Jesus sees that it's going to hinder his relationship with him. The reason that this young man is not going to be able to attain this eternal life that he's looking for right now, as, as this is said, is because of his love of his earthly riches. He has too much tied in the earth to be looking into the eternal life. You know, he knew that this man wasn't just a rich man. He knew that, again, his heart was full. His heart was just <clears throat> wrapped up in these possessions. And, you know, it's, it's a, I love that this is the rich young ruler. It reminded me of Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, which says, this is Jesus speaking, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling him. He was saying, 
you, you've got the right idea. You, you've got it almost figured out. You, you've done the commandments right. You're, you're living right. You've come to me humbly. You've, you've submitted to, your, to, to me. You've hit your knees in front of me, and you've asked me, what do I have to do to have eternal life? You know, he's hungering. He's thirsting for eternal life. And the thing is, is Jesus sees that he's still going to be serving two masters. One of them has to go. So he tells the young man, you know, go and get rid of this one master so that you can serve me and me alone. Now, <clears throat> don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that we all go and sell everything we have and do this. I'm, I, I, I don't have the authority to do that. Only Jesus has the authority to tell us that. But I am saying that maybe we should stop putting such high regard on our earthly possessions. You know, um, I just got a, a new-to-me truck not long ago, and I'm pretty fond of it. But I need to be willing to sacrifice that, that truck need be. You know, I have a, a motorcycle at the house I'm ready to get rid of. If anybody would like to buy one, call me. Um, but, you know, I need to live my life to where... There's not a single possession that I own that I have to have. I should be willing to let go of everything I own in order to follow Christ. If it's, if it's hindering me, I should be able to let go of it, to sell it, to give it to someone, whatever it may be. That's what Jesus is telling this young man here. He's saying, this is what's holding you back. If you get rid of that, you can plow straight ahead. But unfortunately, as we learn in the very end, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. You know, he had an opportunity to leave it all behind, to leave every, that, every bit of that behind and follow Jesus. But disheartened, heartbroken, because he loved everything he had so much, Jesus tells him, you know, get rid of this and follow me. And, and just heartbroken because of how much he has, he wasn't able to leave it behind. And I pray that if it's our possessions, that we're able to leave them behind this year. So the second thing that, I was, that was revealed to me is um, relationships. Now, this one is not easy. Uh, if you will turn to Luke chapter 14, be in verse 26. This is one of those verses that I have heard several, several times of someone trying to refute God and the divinity of God and you know, if Jesus is as good as he says he is and he claims to be, then why does he say something like he says in this verse? This is, this is one of the verses that if you take it out of context, you can do whatever you want to with it. So Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Why is Jesus telling us to hate our own family? Well, he's not. When you look at this, <clears throat> this passage, this, this passage right here, the very first, the verse before that says, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned to them. When he said this, he was trying to thin the herd. Okay? At this time, the great crowd was following him, and he knew that not everybody was there for the right reasons. He knew there were some people there following him for free food, uh, miracles, good teaching, fellowship. Not everybody was there for him. So that's why he said this. And like I said earlier, if you take this first at face value, it would rightfully run everyone off from Jesus. You know, I mean, 
That's, that's hard. If Jesus was to walk through that back door and come up to me and say, hey, you got to hate everybody you've ever loved, I'm going to be like, man, you know, can, can you, what do you got to say next? You know, can, can you leave me something a little easier than that? that? That's tough. But the good thing is, is that's not what Jesus is saying at all. What Jesus is doing, and he is saying that no one should come before him. As a follower of Christ, there should be a certain ranking to our relationships. Number one should always be God. Always. Number two, if you're married, should be your spouse. If you're not married, number two should be your parents, your family, whoever that may be. But regardless, it should be God, family, and then everything else. But notice, God is supposed to be first in that ranking. And, you know, when it comes to leaving it behind, this is something that I need to work on this coming up year. You know, I've, I've noticed um, specifically this last year with starting this youth pastor position and other things that I figured out this little equation that everybody has a certain amount of time a day and you have to separate your time to go to wherever it may be. You have to, you have to work, you have family, you have kids, you have hobbies, you have to sleep at some point and then somewhere Somewhere, if you can find five or ten minutes, try to squeeze Jesus in there. And I have failed miserably at that this past year. I'll just be honest with y'all. And that's one of the things that I felt God convicted me of was, hey, you, you say that I need to be first, but why am I not first? And, you know, I, I, that's one of the things. I hate New Year's resolutions, but I praise God that I have an opportunity that he has brought this to my, my forefront of my mind and saying, hey, Make time for me again. You know, I'm, I'm honestly terrible at spreading my time out. You know, I try to <laughs> spend a lot of time with my family and, and God takes the hit. I spend a lot of time with God and my family takes the hit. I, I try to spend a lot of time with both and I take a hit because I don't sleep. And then work takes a hit and, you know, it just, it all falls downhill. And I'm, I'm horrible at managing my time that way. And I just, you know, I pray that if you are struggling with the same thing as me, know you're not alone. I'll be praying for you as well that God helps us to manage our time better. Um, not only this, but we shouldn't let a family member's opinion or thoughts of our relationship with Jesus stop us from loving and pursuing him. You know, this is, this is hard. Um, I have friendships that I have had to end I have had friendships that had to fizzle out, you know, best friends. I've had friends that, you know, when I was, thankfully, when I was living my life of sin, drinking and partying and everything that I used to partake in, all my buddies that were in that with me, praise God, have turned just as I did. I didn't have to end those relationships. But I still have the relationships that had to end. You know, praise God that my, my, my mama and my daddy loved me enough and loved God. I, I didn't have to turn from them. Praise God that, you know, my family was not just raised in church, but all have relationships with Christ. Now, you know, you may need to leave a relationship that is keeping you from growing in Christ. And, you know, it's not, it's not hard. I mean, excuse me, that was a lie. It's not easy. It's very hard. I had it typed out wrong. I apologize. It is very hard. It's not easy at all. But it may be necessary. 
And, you know, you may be thinking, I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with this. That's, that's simply not true. If you just, you know, open your Bible, there are multiple examples. This is something that wasn't foreign to Jesus himself. In John chapter 7, verse 5, we learn that Jesus' own brothers didn't believe in him at the time. You know, he was partaking at the Feast of Booths, and they were like, hey, you need to be going to the big city. If you're going to be a, a big public guy, you need to quit staying in these small towns. You need to come to the big, the big cities and, and make yourself known. They didn't believe in him. And in Luke chapter 4, we see where Jesus goes to his hometown and is rejected. And ultimately, his life is attempted to be taken by people that he grew up around. People that knew him by name. They said, you know, if you happen to read it in Luke chapter 4, they say, is this not uh, Joseph's son, the, the son of a carpenter? You know, they knew exactly who he was. He knows the pain of having relationships end for the sake of a relationship with God, with Christ. He knows exactly where it is. And, you know, honestly, I really do. I hope and I pray that no one has to leave a, a relationship behind. I mean, I really do. I would much rather burn my whole house and everything I got than to try to burn a bridge with someone that's close to me. However, Jesus lays it out pretty simple. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And so now that brings me to the third point. And, you know, I, I thought the last one was hard, but this one honestly may be even harder. And the third thing that you may need to leave behind as you go into this new year is yourself. Do you ever find that you get in your own way when it comes to growing in your walk with Christ? It's like I said a minute ago with, with uh, my time, I, I, I get my own way a lot. It's not my family screaming at me that they need time with me. God's screaming at me saying he needs time with me. No, they, they're there for me and they want what's best for me as well. But I'm the one that makes the, the mistake of doing it the right way. You know, I believe that I'm my own worst enemy 90% of the time, you know. So if you will turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. This should be the last time I ask y'all to jump and bounce around. Matthew chapter 16. This is a, another one of those hard to, hard to do verses. Verses 24 through 25, and they say, Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How strong that is. But let's, let's take a deeper look at these verses. And you can see the urgency and the severity that Jesus is trying to, to portray in them. First, when you look at the first bit of verse 24... Jesus is telling us that we need to deny ourselves. And, you know, this means renouncing yourself as the center of existence and realizing that Jesus is the one and true center. Center, not sinner. So <clears throat> what I mean by that is we're selfish beings. Everything that we do on a daily basis tends to revolve around us. What I want to do, what I want to eat, where I want to go, you know, everything like that. 
who I want to talk to, what happens, you know, everything. We try to make ourselves the center of it. But when we deny ourselves, we understand that there is someone who is the true center of everything, and that's Jesus. Everything we do should revolve around Jesus. We should pursue God's will for our life over our own in every instance, no matter how hard that may be. And that's hard sometimes, very hard. Next thing he tells us to do is to take up our cross. Now, <clears throat> this is a metaphor. Crucifixion is a shocking metaphor for being a disciple, but it goes hand in hand with the previous, but is much more severe. Here, Jesus is telling us to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, die to ourselves. Every day, we should wake up in the morning and have our own crucifixion in our bedrooms where we crucify ourselves just to make sure that I can't get in my own way so that I can make sure that I've got God where he needs to be and I focus solely on God. I'm going to crucify Holt and get him completely out of the way first thing out the gate. And this is hard. This, this is very hard. I, I love myself and I want to do what I want to do. But a lot of times, most of the time, what I want to do is not what needs to be done. I mean, for Pete's sake, getting up at 3 o'clock, I do not want to get up and go to work. I'd much rather lay in the bed. But I know if I don't, if I just lay there and go to sleep, I'm going to lose my job, I'm going to lose everything. Um, <clears throat> John the Baptist laid this out perfectly in John chapter 3, verse 30, when he said, he must increase, increase, but I must de decrease. John says, I can't truly submit to Jesus' will for my life if I'm there to fight him tooth and nail every step of the way. I can't give Jesus the reins, but then try to snatch him out of his hands every chance that I get. Every time that he's wanting to make a turn that I don't like, I can't snatch the reins out of his hands. I've got to get myself completely out of the way. So finally, he is telling us that everything we gain without him is all loss. The person who rejects God's will and instead pursues his own will for his life ultimately loses eternally every earthly good thing he is trying to protect. So in other words, everything that you're trying to protect on your own, you're going to lose it. If you're not following his will, everything's going to be, it's going to be gone. You know, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul had it figured out. He had it figured out. You know, he later goes on in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, I know what it's like to have, and I know what it's like to not have. He, Paul understood. Paul wanted God's will to be done. I mean, even when he asks, says, you know, it's in 1 Corinthians, I can't remember the chapter and verse, but he asked God three times to remove the thorn in his flesh, and, and God says, hey, I'm going to leave that there because that's going to keep you humble. And he's like, so be it. I got work to do. That's where we need to be. God excuse me, Paul knew that it was more important to follow God's will than it was for him to be comfortable, than it was for him to have whatever it may be. You know, and that's, that's what I pray for us. If we're getting in our own way, 
I pray that we can crucify ourselves, that we can leave ourselves behind as we go into this new year. And as I close, you know, this, this sermon is more on the darker side. Um, what do you need to leave behind? Crucifying yourselves is not very fun. However, there are times when that's needed. But for those of you that have this all figured out, praise God. And I'm going to be hanging out on this front pew. If you'll come by, I'd like to take some notes. Um, you know, but to go along with that, in this past year, you may have so much things that so many things you need to praise God for. I know I do. I have so much. But to go along with that, there are a ton of things that I need to leave behind in order to focus more on him. And so if you will stand, close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, we come to you today, Lord, and, and we just, we thank you, God. We thank you for this year you've given us. No matter what it's looked like, no matter how hard it's been or how easy it's been, Lord, it's, it's been a gift. It's been a gift that you've given us to seek you, Father, to yearn for you, Lord. It's been a time for you to speak to us, to show us where we excel, where we fall behind. Lord, I thank you so much for the love that you've bestowed on us, on every one of us, Lord. I thank you for giving us the multiple opportunities to, to meet you, Lord, to, to love you more. And God, I just pray, I pray that right now in this time of invitation, that whether it be in our seats, whether we come to the altar, Lord, that, that we just pray right now and we seek you, Lord, we seek you, and we, we seek to see exactly what it is you would have us leave behind. And God, I pray that also that you help us to also focus on the good things that you've given us, Lord, what we should praise you for. And I pray that we all praise you and thank you for everything well that you've done with us. As Lisa starts playing on the piano, Lord, I just I pray that everyone just be in a, a state of prayer again, Lord, whether it be in the pews, at the altar, whatever it may be, Father, just help us all to, to use this time to focus on you, Lord, to center us back with you, to take us out of the center and to put you into the center, Father. I love you, Lord. Amen. <laughs>